Welcome to episode 205 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Robin Kenner. She's a designer at Etsy. Before that, she was at Amazon. We caught her right in between the transition. Magical timing. We tend to do that. She's also the co-founder of My Trans Health, and we get to talk about all of her learnings building that. Every single one. We, we asked all the right questions. We got all the answers. We extracted every learning you can possibly imagine. But before we get into those, we want to thank our sponsors for making this episode possible. Both of our sponsors this week are completely new sponsors. Uh, and first up is Shopify. Shopify. Shopify is an e-commerce platform to let people sell things they make or purchase, resell, whatever you want. You can just sell things on the internet with very little effort. It's an awesome product. I've used it. I used it in the past when I ran my own apparel company selling t-shirts on the internet. What's your favorite Shopify site right now? What's my favorite Shopify? Uh, I don't know. My favorites right now, my my favorite shoe company, Clay, uses it. Uh, Super Team Deluxe uses it oh, to great shit. effect. Really? Yeah. Super Team Deluxe is probably one of the coolest Shopify websites on the internet, if that's the case. Also one of the coolest any websites on the internet. But that's not what we're here to talk to you about. They are hiring designers. They are growing a team of over 180 in their UX org, spread across five offices in Ottawa, Toronto, Waterloo, Montreal, and San Francisco. They just released their design system, Polaris, which I made fun of for being a snowmobile on the internet. (laughs) It's a very good internet joke. Canadian. Just trust me. Get it. They have an amazing team there. Uh, One of our hosts of Layout is Kevin Clark. He works there. Uh, We had Helen Train on the show. She works there. Meg Robichaux, one of our best friends ever. She works there as their head of illustration. They're doing incredible work with incredible people, and you should go join them. They need your help. They're looking for designers, content strategists, researchers, and UX leads from anywhere, from all backgrounds. They want you to apply. You'd be joining over 100 designers that are working on building out the product that serves over 400,000 merchants on Shopify. They really want you to dig into building the core product and really thinking about how Shopify should evolve as a design system and as a design company. They put out tons of awesome content that can give you a good feel for what they're looking for. Basically, if you just search for Shopify UX on anything on the internet, uh, you're going to find their Instagram account, their Twitter account, all this kind of stuff. You can follow along and see what they're writing. If you go to ux.shopify.com, you can see all the blog posts written by the people that are actually working there, talking about the kind of work that they're doing. It's pretty awesome. They're making it easy to make a livelihood for tons of people around the world. It's a great product. It's a great mission. You should go work with them and do great work. You can learn more at shopify.com slash careers. Tell them we sent you. Give us a shout if you're looking for the change of pace. That's again at shopify.com slash careers. Our second sponsor is another new one, ReadyDesk. Now, this is a a kind of interesting one for us. We don't often do like product selling stuff. Uh, They sent us a desk. (laughs) So we've been on a standing desk kick lately. Brian and I both bought standing desks recently. And they sent us this thing. And it was like in a flat pack. And it's, it's this like laminated wood. And you set it up and it's like super perfectly measured where it kind of seems like it's off and then like suddenly it fits together perfectly and it's like super sturdy and it took me a lot of effort with my little baby muscles to like make it happen those little baby muscles but it's a standing desk that you can put on any table like it, it just adjusts the height like there's these shelves you can remove and put into different slots and there's a stand for your uh, laptop you can just have a standing desk wherever you want to be they've hit this really beautiful point right in the middle of being 
incredibly affordable for a standing desk and also having a solid enough build quality that you would trust putting your it's laptop on it. extremely solid. Like I'm pretty confident that I could like sit on it. And the way they've built it is you can actually customize it to your own height. You can put these shelves at different levels. So you're always gonna have the right fit for you. It's an awesome product. Having a standing desk and standing up more while I work has helped my back. It's helped my legs. It's helped my brain because I got that blood flowing more. I can't recommend I'm not it sure it's done that for you. I'm sorry. But the, the, they're focused on posture, which is something that I struggle with a lot. And I can definitely attest that it has been helpful. Uh, they've got an award-winning design. It's, it's It really is a beautiful like piece of physical structure. Thing. How do, how do you describe like a general thing? It's like, a nice thing to look at and a nice thing to touch. Yes. It's great. It's good for you. It's affordable. They've got 100-day free returns. If you order... With our code, if you use the coupon code DESIGN at checkout, you'll receive 10 bucks off your ReadyDesk order. So if your back's aching, if you're looking for a standing desk and don't want to drop $1,000 in some automated mechanical bullshit, get a ReadyDesk. It starts $150. Bucks. We're going to save you 10 bucks if you use the promo code DESIGN at checkout. Where do you get this? Go to TheReadyDesk.com. That's TheReadyDesk. Well, TheReadyDesk.com. Brian. The. The has two E's. TheReadyDesk.com Go to it. Get one of these desks. They're pretty great. Use the promo code DESIGN. That'll save you 10 bucks. Thanks so much to ReadyDesk. And with that, let's get an episode 205 with Robin Canner. I'm Robin Canner. I am a senior product designer at Etsy in Brooklyn, New York. I'm also a co-founder and designer for MyTransHealth, which is a resource designed to help trans people get access to quality healthcare. Nice. What are you working on right now? Ta-da! Nailed it. You've Uh, done this before. I've answered that question a few different times. Um, That was actually very crisp. I'm impressed. Thank you. you. Everyone sits there for like a minute and like, who am I? Who am I? What have I done? Yeah, no, that's it. That's the whole package. Nice. Um, I'm excited about, uh, I've been doing a redesign of my trans health. Um, Started that basically the week after the election. And now we feel pretty good about it. I'm so excited about gearing up that release and started a tiny letter. That's been fun too. So I've been writing a little bit more and just. You got a newsletter. I got a newsletter. It was the joke that I made though. Like I moved to Brooklyn, then I started a tiny letter. (laughs) Like that's such a desire thing to do. I was like, I'm doing it. It's It's just on your moving checklist. It's like, uh, get an apartment. Okay. Right. Um, (laughs) Apartment, tiny letter. Bed, couch, start a tiny letter. Yeah, it's everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's cool though. Like I feel like I like. talking through different like formats and mediums and like i talk like a lot of shit on twitter which is great um but <laughs> like tiny letters like oh i can <laughs> who think doesn't a... it's yeah, designed twitter exactly yeah, yeah yeah there's so much to talk about there's so much shit to just talk about <laughs> am i allowed to swear yeah of course yes. cool all right great sorry everyone who it's encouraged swearing um they probably stopped listening to the show a long time yeah they're ago. just like wow she swore what a horrible person <laughs> 200 uh, episodes of just us yelling just ex- <laughs> expletives into the microphones will do that. <laughs> I did the uh, creative mornings today and like I swear a lot when I talk. So I just sent them like an email. I was like, hey, what's up? There's a lot of swears in this. Is everybody cool with that? And they're like, uh, yeah, it wakes people up. Yep. I was like, thank you. Great. Sweet. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Tiny letter talking. Nice. Bed.
Submit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Finding in bed. <laughs> uh, so this episode comes out a week after you've started at Etsy. Yes. Uh, how was your first week? I feel great. Nice. I feel so good. You've yeah. done it. It's over. I've done it. It's good. You've Did gone you ship the something onboarding. the first day? Obviously. Yeah. I just talked to a bunch of devs and I was like, hey, this is what we're thinking. And then that happened. Wow. She <laughs> said, yeah. devs, go forth and produce this <laughs> thing I have made. Go. Yeah. I, I thought without any research, all the design decisions that you should make. And there they are in the room. First day. Here you go. <laughs> That would be a very bad designer thing to do. But hey, strong start. It could be, or a really bad start. Or like a bad that would start. Be a horrible strong, start. bad start. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if a designer came in and was just like, hey, it's my first day, here's everything that you should do, I'd be like, wow, yeah, we got some issues. Speaking of which, what yeah. is your strategy going to be? Or do you have a strategy for joining a new company? Yeah, um, my strategy is to get a lot of coffee with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Planking maneuvers. Yeah, well, it's like, so I was a freelancer for years and years. And the thing that like I saw to be the most effective was that knowing that like when you come into the room, somebody else has already thought of it. Mm -hmm. Um, They just have had different constraints. So as opposed to just showing up and be like, here's all my ideas. Like somebody's already thought about it before, but they've clearly hit like a constraint at some point that through the process. So just walking in, having coffee with people, see where their head's at, see why they're able to get the things that they're that are out like live now and how they got them there. Mm-hmm. Then the other stuff that they wanted to do, why didn't why didn't it work? Like what are the testing looks like? How much testing have they done? Like it's just gathering information for the first like few weeks really. Yeah. I think that's very smart. I it feels um I remember doing it and felt like I was being unproductive. Right. Just because it's like, ah, there's no output. Sure, totally. Am I, am I doing good? Right, yeah. I mean, that was the thing on the East Coast for sure. Because when you were a freelancer, you just went into a system that was already moving. Right. And you didn't question the system. You just did it and like you just left and that was the end of the day. But when you're full-time, you have to like understand how the system works a lot stronger. Yeah. So you can't just like go in one day and be like, here's everything. Yeah. It's just you got to do like a deeper dive on stuff. So why Etsy? Why Etsy? Oh my gosh, such a good question. Uh, so I Thanks. really like them. So I I did a design family hour with them last year, at like a week after the election. And uh, I gave this talk on my trans health and I just liked the whole vibe to it. Their uh, family hours are fantastic. Yeah, They're it so was much fun. really fun to do. And like everybody was really great. And um, I just felt like really kind of at home there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just it just felt like really nice. And then when I was getting ready to leave Seattle and I was like, I don't want to be in Seattle anymore. Um, I basically took like a red eye to New York and was just there hanging out. And then I, um, I sent a text to Karen uh, Campbell and I was just like, hey, want to grab coffee? And she was like, yeah, for sure. So we we're getting coffee. And then halfway through, I was like, I think I'm ready to wrap up with Seattle. And she was just like, whoa, would you be open to Etsy? I was like, actually, yeah. Um, so Hence I can't coffee. <laughs> yeah. So I, I canceled my flight. Um, back to Seattle and um, basically pulled the presentation for them together in about a week. No, in about two days and then gave it like a day later. Got it. So you um, weren't shopping around? A little bit. Like I was kind of shopping around, but like not like a full shop around. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was window shopping. It was window shopping. Yeah. <laughs> but like I met with them. I really liked their design team. Um, I really liked their mm-hmm. approach to design. I really liked that they put customers first in a really empathetic way. Um, and I really like that they're like small enough that you're able to like do some like really cool and innovative design um, and not get bogged down too much into like corporate systems. Yeah. Um, which is what I was like kind of coming out of. And it's in New York. And it's in New York. Is this your first New York gig? Uh, kind of. So I tried to move to New York like five different times in my life and none of them have been smooth. This is like weirdly the smoothest thing that's ever happened. Um, like when I was like 13, I tried to move to New York and like, I was just like, mm, this is a bad idea. Mm. Then I tried when I was 19 
then when I was like 21, when I was 21, I interviewed at this like Broadway theater place in the Viacom building. And uh, I was so nervous, like walking in and like I took a bus down from Maine to New York and uh, I showed up on like a Friday and I only met with the HR person and she was like, you seem cool. How about you just stay until Monday? And I was like, no problem. So I stayed until Monday, but I didn't have any place to like sleep or anything. So <laughs> Wait, what? So where did you go? I kind of walked around Times Square like for one night. And then that the sounds next... dangerous. Yeah, I was just like... Holy shit. Yeah, so I pulled all nighter one night um, and just walked around. And then the next night, I uh, had a friend at the time in Jersey. And I took a bus to Jersey in the middle of the night and slept on his parents' couch or something. And then the next day, I woke up and I took a bus into the city and like presented design. And uh, it was this guy who, like, basically, like, just did print production work and, like, all in cork. And I showed up without having ever opened cork in my life. And I was like, yes, I can do that. And this guy was like, no, you can't. <laughs> and then I had to go bus back home. <laughs> oh, worst. he called you out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. He was like, well, this moment, he was just like, uh, I don't, mm, you're not, it, he was just like, you're not ready for this. And I was like, yeah, okay. Did he th- because you didn't know the tool? Uh, not even that I didn't know the tool, but I was so not confident about it. Like, I w- couldn't get words out of my mouth to talk about design. Oh, shit. And I was scared because, like, it was a tall building. And it was the first time <laughs> it was, like, a really tall building. And, like, to uh-huh. the point where, like, it kind of shook, like, with the wind. And I was, like, super just uncomfortable with the whole thing. And I was coming off of, like, no sleep and, like, couches and stuff. I had, like, done my laundry and some, like, laundromat. Um, it was just, like, a really bad experience. And I left... And I got I got like a soft note, not even like a full hard note. It's just like a like we'll, like a we'll call you thing. And, and you both are like nodding, like uh, right, yeah, sure. <laughs> so like two weeks later, I like sent an email to the HR person. I was just like, "Hey, so what do you think?" And she was like, "Oh, sorry about that. No, we're all set. Thanks." <laughs> and I just well, responded. I don't know why I'm laughing. Sorry, <laughs> that's, <laughs> all, that's awful. That's yeah, awful. No, totally. But I remember sending the email back, and you know that uh, gif of Charlie Brown getting the football <laughs> ripped out over her while he just like tries to kick it, and he yeah, like, yeah. flips over. I just sent that email, <laughs> giving her email. It was it was the worst. And you didn't get a reply. And I didn't. I didn't get the job. I didn't go to New York. And uh, then I tried again when I was twenty three, and also not great. And then now at twenty nine, I'm moving to New York. Yeah, yeah. The confidence thing's interesting. Yeah, it's a thing, right? So twenty one. You didn't have it. No, not at all. I probably am only a confident designer in the last uh, two and a half years. I would basically say like after the first round of my trans health was the time that I learned how to talk to people. What what happened? Uh, I just did like a month worth of press. Like it was every, mm-hmm. like I was, when I was at New Balance um, contracting, I would like on my lunch break take calls from press and uh i learned how to talk about design on those because press like they're they move fast they call you out really quickly like and if you say something dumb it's in print forever so (laughs) like you just learn really quick to talk about design um but yeah i mean like even when i was contracting nobody lets contractors present design to companies you just do the production work and hand it off to like an actual internal designer who does it so it wasn't until that round of press with my trans that i talked about design publicly which was like two and a half years ago so what does it take to get that degree of confidence if you don't have a project like My Trans Health or yeah. you're in a position where you aren't the one presenting your work? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think when you're not the one presenting the work, you make 
the presentation and you hand it off to somebody and you see how they present it and you can learn from them. And that's great if you're younger and you're like getting into it. You can just do sort of the keynote work and hand it off to somebody and be like, hey, you can modify this, but this is what I'm thinking for like the work that I did. So that can help you build some confidence. And then like I just like I read Mike Montero's books and stuff about design and I just uh, started reciting presentations in front of my mirror. And I had previously worked in like a bunch of indie rock bands. So I was kind of used to being like on a stage, even if I was like in the back mm-hmm. half of it doing guitar tech or something like that. So I was a little bit used to the stage. Sure. And it was just like it was a practice makes perfect thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I've ever practiced something in the mirror, I just like laugh at the fact that i'm practicing something in the mirror because it's like <laughs> right what everyone says they do but then you're the one you're doing, doing it and you're it, like yeah. wait what the fuck i'm in front of a mirror right it feels <laughs> like that opening scene in eight mile <laughs> just rapping in front of this mirror that's exactly what it felt and like and then yeah. mom's spaghetti <laughs> right, and then mom's spaghetti yeah so yeah i don't know it's kind of like eminem's eight mile i guess that's what life is <laughs> so i just well, life is eight mile yeah i learned today that when they were filming that like that you know the crowd is standing there when right. they're doing the rap battles and they have to like sit there while they're filming this whole thing they're getting really bored yeah but they didn't want eminem to rap right because he had to save his voice right so everyone's getting super bored and then all of a sudden eminem just starts rapping yeah, and that's yeah, one yeah. of the scenes where they're like super stoked oh yeah all these extras or whatever right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of amazing yeah they were all detroit locals if i remember yeah. how they did it yeah cool. which is pretty cool I, was, I really love the movie. I was reading about Eminem this morning. So. Yeah, it's great. There was something that came out today that he had a beard now. So that what? was kind of interesting. That's weird. Yeah, it was a little bit weird. What color is it? Uh, brown. <laughs> yeah. It's bleach blonde. <laughs> it's like bleach blonde in his beard. Like, honestly. Like a Guy Fieri thing. Yeah, yeah, Oh, God. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Now he just needs to start eating a lot. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, Eminem's finest restaurants. It sounds wonderful. Eminem's already a food. Yeah. What I, what I love about Eminem is that, like honestly it's the same thing that I love about like Jeff Buckley, um which is like this like musician who does really serious things or whatever, but like behind the scenes is like super hilarious and just kind of laughing all the time. So like Eminem having a beard and like doing a fiery restaurant thing like I could totally see that. Cool. That'd Chill. be great. Yeah. I would watch Diners, Drive-ins and Dives with Eminem yeah, so fast. <laughs> just yeah. Yeah, can, can I would get him to it. put on like his, his sunglasses backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guy Fieri jokes are my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good brand of joke. It's a solid one. Where are you from? I was born in Columbus, Ohio, and I stayed there until I was two. And then um, my dad liked Maine. He had they had like my, my mom and him had vacation in Maine before, and he decided that he wanted to go to Maine. So my mom was like, go to Maine. If you can get a job in a week, then we'll move. So my dad took a flight from Columbus to Maine, got a job at a optometrist in Waterville, Maine, and came back and was like, I got a job. And then we all hopped into U-Haul and I grew up in rural Maine. Waterville sounds like a bustling active city. Yeah. Well, actually, Waterville was the big city. Fairfield was the town that we ended up in and it was, it was smaller. So Fairfield had one stoplight. Does every like state's rural area have a Fairfield and a Waterville? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Well, we actually, we ended up moving from Fairfield, Ohio to Fairfield, Maine. So that's an odd, peculiar thing. There you go. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Familiarity, once- you know. Yeah, one stoplight. Um, had a Big Apple. Um, there was a bottle redemption place. High school. There's a bakery. There's a pretty solid bakery there, too. How many people did you go to high school with? Uh, it's, it spanned five different towns. So, oh, my God. Yeah. If They're you, like, uh, one school, one town. This isn't going to work. Yeah, no. So it's uh, if you, it was it's called Lawrence High School, and it had Fairfield, Albion, Benton, Clinton, 
and uh you're describing every rural more. area yeah every, <laughs> all the names right, right, right. Match. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's one more i think too but yeah it was all that that neighborhood they went to the same school um and there was i think my graduating class was a little over 200 and i think the total school was like around 800 hmm. yeah that's pretty good yeah i mean some people had to like commute like 45 minutes though into work that sucks you know, into, into, into work, work. Into work. <laughs> yeah, into work yeah. with and, their briefcase right <laughs> yeah, when you're a high school student you just show up with your briefcase yeah uh, hey why yeah. not yeah I, but i lived in town so it was like a half hour walk for me nice yeah, yeah were you a creative person uh no no i um i was a person who had headphones on pretty much always and didn't talk to people oh so what we do now right exactly. cool <laughs> <laughs> Not much has changed, really. Sweet. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think I was a creative person. I was listening to a lot of things, but I was petrified to make things. Um, Why? I just didn't... Like, rural environments in general, like, they're not like, oh, go make things, right? Like, the things that, like, you make in rural... Like, there was a there's a paper shop in Maine um, called Hudamaki. They make paper plates. That's a very rural Maine. Yeah. So everybody who leaves my high school, like, goes to work at Hudamaki. And, like, it's great because, like, if you, like, do it right, you can get, like, a $12 an hour job, which is, like, serious money in Fairfield, Maine. So um, the sort of the narrative that you're told is to, like, get a job and either go into farming, um, go to school, go to the army, or work at Hudamaki. Or if you're really lucky, you could get a job at the post office overnight. And that would get you like fourteen dollars an hour. That doesn't sound like lucky. That's, that's what <laughs> luck is. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of people that still do it there too. Um, my actually, my ten year high school reunion was last year, um, and they couldn't find me, so I never got the invite. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Man. I would you have gone? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, so you don't like, really care no. that much. Yeah. No. I'm, I like. I want camouflage from that shit. Like yeah, I don't totally. want to be involved. No, God, no. Yeah. Um, I guess yeah, technically I mean, it should be. Yeah, like this month or something. Yeah, they couldn't. There was like, apparently they did it. Um, and I had one friend who knows me now and was just like, people were asking about you. And I was like, yeah, don't don't tell them. Don't <laughs> so, care. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have gone. No, that would have been bad. Yeah, I I don't like the idea of there being a narrative that kids learn of how their life should be. For sure, totally. It's super fucked up and it seems more common. yeah. Than- Areas like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm from a smallish town in sure. Colorado. I don't know that we had that strict of like a narrative. Yeah. I know what you're talking about and that's fucked up. It's super weird. I think I fought it really hard. Um, and that, I mean, it wasn't met with glory. Like I think, you know, for a while when I told people I was like getting into art and design, like everyone was just like, oh, well, good job. And I heard like that good job forever, forever, forever. And then when I doc- when I got the job at Amazon, and my mom was like, "Amazon, I know that." And I was like, "Yeah, it's gonna be cool." And she asked me like how much I was gonna make, <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, it's this number." And she's like, "Wow, you're really doing it." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, I am." Thanks. Tech mom. jobs are fun that way. <laughs> Thanks for works. finally approving of yeah, me. Yeah, it, it works. Yeah, but the funny thing, so I the the you're really doing it thing has been like a statement that's echoed throughout my life in weird ways. I have uh, this friend, Chris Moulton, who um, played in this band called The Cambiata. 
and uh, it was like 2009 or something like that. Where was this located? Uh, this was they were based in Maine, okay. um, and I did like design and like management for them. Um, but we we did the show in Indianapolis one night, and it was like right around the time of the Indy 500. And uh, <laughs> Chris like got a call from his dad, who like was always weirded out by him being a musician, even though he was great. And then like Chris was in the middle of Indianapolis, like getting ready to do a show. And he was on the phone with his dad and his dad was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, we got a show in Indianapolis. And his dad was like, the Indy 500 this weekend. And Chris was like, okay. And his dad was like, wow, kid, you're <laughs> really doing it. So <laughs> you're really doing it. It's just like a <laughs> sign of like, you, you made it, kid. That's such a weird sentence. Like, I feel like there's just so much like wrapped up in that. Yeah, like, you're really I didn't doing really it. expect you to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a loaded statement. But it you're is really doing incredibly it. loaded, almost yeah. to the point of being insulting. Yeah, it's, it's like, well, it's like a shock thing, right? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's nice to get cool, over the hump the support, where your parents, parents yeah, respect like, you. You're really doing it, kid. Oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I needed your approval to yeah, feel satisfied exactly. with my life. Right, I needed to know that I wasn't a fuck-up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you're really doing it. That's the thing. Yeah. You're really doing this podcast. We're really doing it. Ah, oh, thanks. We finally got Shock. it. That was so you insulting. <laughs> well, it's really we're getting funny. to interview you now. Right. So yeah. now we have made it. Exactly. We yeah. went home to visit Brian's parents yeah. uh, last winter. Was it yeah. last winter or the winter before? Yeah, last winter. Uh, well, two, two, two. Two ago. Yeah. Fuck, it's already and just... Both of his parents asked me what Brian did and if he was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? He's nope the best. and nope. He's <laughs> Nothing. Not very no good No one knows nothing. what Brian does, but he's very good at it. <laughs> it's great. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have found this with... So we're all small towny and... Sure. Folks, I guess. So you lived in Minnesota for a minute. I, I did. I grew up in Mankato. Oh, okay. Got it. Wow. But I go home and it's like, what do you do? Oh, I do product design. Sure. They're like, what is that? Don't know. Right. Don't have any measure. You draw pictures. Right. Um, yeah. I think my parents are still in that. Like, sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, people like to see pictures. They're like, yeah. well, what do you do? Uh-huh. And you can show a picture, like, oh, this thing that you use, uh, that's what I did. <laughs> see that button? Right. See that butt? <laughs> see those, those. See that butt? See that, did you say button or <laughs> butt? I was just like, I was just like, see that butt? See that butt? See I that, that butt? I immediately thought of Meg Lewis and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's like, what I was thinking. I was like, that's kind of well, the that's thing literally right what so she gets like, to do. Yeah. See yeah. that butt? That's what I did. Uh, button. Button. Yeah. See those border radius? See that border radius? I spent weeks on that. Like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I just went to Napa with my dad and his wife. And. He watched me like sit there and like I use like Figma a for a minute. Statement, <laughs> I, I had to think about it for a minute. Right, it yeah. hasn't is, been that long. Yeah. All right. Uh, but he sat there and watched me like <laughs> just nudge things around. <laughs> He's like, so this is what you do all day. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Hey, do you see that drop shadow? That is luxurious. <laughs> <laughs> so smooth. Yeah. I don't know. Titles are dumb though, right? Right. Like I, I think they're dumb. I was at Amazon. I went from being a UX designer to an art director, and I did the same exact work. I just had a different manager, so I got thrown in a different title, which is the weirdest thing ever. But I would imagine that would come with a raise. Uh, that sounds like a promotion. It did actually. Thing. Yeah, it came with a raise, but then I left four months later, so it was pretty obsolete. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The titles are unnecessary until it just randomly means you get paid more money. Totally. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like 
I think there's a good distinction between UX design and like an art director, visual designer, a visual experience designer. Um, because I've seen Wait, like visual experience designer. I've never heard that before. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, visual so, sometimes like, like if I call it like a UX or a VX designer, yeah, I'll break out like visual experience versus UX experience. Huh. Um, cause I think it is about a visual experience, right? It's about like how you like your experience within like the visual of like what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, man, design is dumb sometimes. So dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'll meet some UX designers who, like, aren't the strongest visual designers, but they can really get interaction done. Um, Then I'll meet, like, art directors who are like, I need the wireframe to be able to figure this out. So Mm -hmm. sometimes people are specialists in that regard. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a specialist? No. Too much of a generalist. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, I started off doing print design for, like, five years. So my life was, like, making books and posters and records and stuff. And like environment spaces. And then it was only with my trans health that I moved into like product design in like the digital sense. I like being a generalist too much. Yeah. I don't know if you grow up and want to become a specialist at some point. I don't know. I mean, I know some. There's advantages to it. Yeah. I've seen like, I think it like when I think of specialty, right? I think of like the hand lettering phenomenon that happened like a few years ago. (laughs) And like, I wonder how that is like working out. Ah, the great hand lettering phenomenon of 2014. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, like how's that working for people, right? Um, Get a shit ton of likes on Dribbble. Totally, right. But likes don't put food on the table, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think it's supposed to be good for agencies or something. I can't prove that they don't. It's fair. So sometimes they do. Yeah. Yeah. Eat those likes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, I always I don't know. It's just like I think uh I think if like you learned a specific tool to do like like if you were like a great flash designer, right? Like I specialize in Adobe Flash. Um how does that translate to like how we talk about design in twenty seventeen? Right. Big trouble. <laughs> You're like a huge trouble. So sometimes specialists are good. Sometimes like you gotta learn to specialize in the right thing. You said you tried to move to New York when you were 13? Yeah. Why is that? Uh, I was in Maine, and um, I didn't want to be in Maine. And, um, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, so, and, like, so I was 13, like, that's when, like, the internet was a thing in my life. And I started to learn about where people like me were in. And um, it turned out trans people were in, like, New York and San Francisco. Not in Maine. And not in Maine, <laughs> right. Well, there was. So Jenny Boylan was in Maine, and she wrote this book called She's Not There. And she was a like, professor at Colby College. Um, but I was like 13, like sending Jenny Boylan emails like, what's up? I'm in Fairfield. And it was like early trans days. So like I got very like sweet emails back like, good job, child. Keep it up. <laughs> it's weird that I'm emailing it's, a 13-year-old yeah, child on the internet. <laughs> but like not weird anymore. But uh, Well, because you're not 13 anymore. Right, exactly. And it's just like, <laughs> a lot, like I get a lot of emails from people who are just like, I saw my trans health. What do I do? So I'm like pretty used to that stuff. But yeah, I just thought there were people like me in New York, so I was like, well, I'll just go there. Um, and then I don't think I made it to New Hampshire. <laughs> so it was it was a very failed attempt at moving to New York. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, you finished high school? Yep. And you went to college? Yep. What did you want to do? Uh, well, I, f- I finished high school early by accident. Um, I got kicked out, which enabled me to graduate early, and I worked at a Wendy's. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Yeah, I got kicked out of high school. Uh, kicked out of high school. Yeah. AKA graduated. Well, no, so I got kicked out of, um, a, I was doing, I, what's it called, like a vocational program or something like that? Sure. So it was like a, there was a vocational program to build like hardware of computers. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah. I got kicked, it was in Waterville, like the city, right? Um, the big one. The big one. Yeah, <laughs> they had two stoplights. And I got kicked out of it. And because I got kicked out, I was able to do like an extra science gen ed. 
And that worked in a way that aligned with all my credits. Yeah. So I was able to leave high school like six months earlier than everybody else. That's great. Um, and I worked at a Wendy's as like the grill person and like a cashier and uh, got into design. And then I went to... <laughs> While you were working the grill. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, uh, burger design. Burger yeah, design. it was burger design. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, because like basically what would happen is I'd uh, I'd wake up at like 2 p.m. and go into work at 4 p.m. and then like close Wendy's until like 1.30 a.m. And then there was this guy, his name is Dan Bissell. I have no idea what happened to Dan. but he, Dan, if you're out there, <laughs> out there, out there. <laughs> he was the best because like Dan was chill because like he listened to like metal, right? So he like Doug Slayer and stuff. Um, and he would always talk to me about metal and like I like knew what he was talking about even though I never did, right? But I knew that they had long hair. So I was like, that's cool. Um, so <laughs> we would work all night and then outside like – he would like give me his cigarettes and we'd smoke cigarettes and then talk about Slayer. And, uh, the, like the interaction was pretty much just to be like, Oh yeah, I love Slayer. And I'd be like, yeah, I like their long hair. And he'd be like, yeah, their guitars. I'm like, it's cool that they have long hair. <laughs> this is like the most trans girl thing you ever could wow. imagine. Wow. So then I, I left that and then I'd go home and I like meant to like just fall asleep and do everything again. But I like my brain couldn't shut off. Um, thinking about that long hair, just thinking about that long hair. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I had a computer in my room, and I just started to self-teach myself design. How'd you um, do that? Uh, I mimicked things on that was already on the internet. Um, I made fancy PowerPoint decks. Um, Were there particular places you got inspiration from? Uh, yeah, I mean, around that time, MySpace was a thing. Mm-hmm. So I was on that a lot. And you could fake code sites in MySpace, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did some of that stuff. And uh, LiveJournal was also like a thing, too, that I was really into. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time, it was like a couple years after ish YouTube became a thing. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at like all like videos of people like talking about stuff on YouTube. So that like helped me like get through some of the design stuff too. Um, and then I went to like a film school for a little bit. Then I left that, um, after a semester Then I went to a rural arts college, like a rural liberal arts college that mostly specialized in education, but they had a small little art program. And that's our program that like I figured out I wanted to be a designer in. An art program where you figured out you wanted to be a designer. Complicated, right? Yeah. Especially at like well, a, a rural liberal arts college, which is kind yeah. of what I went to. So like there was not much design program at No, mine. there was none. Yeah. So I, my, um, the people who graduated with my major, there were six of us. And I, <laughs> there's yeah. a half dozen of us, there was a half, literally. Yeah, like half literally dozen. six of us. Um, and, and like I'm so close friends with literally everybody. And uh, I was always the like kind of offshoot just because yeah. I was into design. Like I looked at like... I looked at making things as a way to like uh, make money and tell people what to think. Whereas like everybody who was like an artist in the room was like asking people what to think. Um, and I was like, no, no, no. I just want to tell everybody what to think. I don't, I don't want them to think about it. Um, so there was a divide for like a really long time. Um, but one of the professors that I had, Don Nye, uh, she had done her master's at Cranbrook in design and like landed in Farmington, which was super bizarre because like there's no way that some as talented as Don and I should be at UMF. Um, but she was, and like she was the designer who like taught me how to send something to print and InDesign, taught me to like she like let me take six months to make really bad type, right? Like just a horrible type in individualized study. Yeah. Um and helped me like carve that out. Hmm. Yeah. Did you graduate from there? No. Um I I think well, I don't know. I so I walked but I never actually got a diploma. So Wait, really? Yeah. How did that work? So there was two classes left that I was supposed to take. Like I had finished my major in yeah. art and I was supposed to take a uh, intro to science and intro to French class. And um, 
there were just gen eds that I never finished. And I didn't want to do them because at the point it was just like, <laughs> it was like, it was like, yeah, it was me being stubborn. So it's like, yes adjacent. Yeah, but... yes adjacent. Yeah. So I finished like my whole major, but then those two classes, like basically it was like, at that point, I had enough bands in which I was freelancing as a designer. Um, I was constantly driving out of Farmington into Portland, Maine, which was like two and a half hours away to do records. Um, and there was no like access to queer life in Farmington, like as far as like for trans women. So like I couldn't get hormones there. I couldn't like be a person there for the most part. And when they were like, well, stay six more months to get your diploma. I was just like, no, like I'm going to go and design and like figure this shit out. So I just, I like left two classes left. And I always told myself that I'd go back and do them if they ever mattered, but it just never did. Um, I, I think that's one of the things I have the biggest struggle with, with, uh, recommending college or like just people going that path because it's it's based on statistics that may not have anything to do with your life sure totally. right yeah I <laughs> it's mean, just it was, a metric system yeah and it was a thing that i finished the program and i felt really good about that and i i was really insecure about those two classes for a really long like but years afterwards should i never Why learn you french, care about yeah. french? <laughs> yeah. right well sure i mean it's, yeah it's fun to know french that's great totally but. i mean the funniest thing is is like when i was designing at amazon because that site is in so many different languages like i had to figure out how german broke as like a, a full sentence in german like speaks a lot differently than a full sentence in uh -huh. english right do you mean like in terms of white space for uh, breaking or so basically terms, german fucks up all your ui yeah so like if you have <laughs> if you have the text of like something in english versus like something in german um the phrasing of which like uh certain words they're in different places so mm -hmm. it's like jumbled so it reads not na like naturally in english uh when you have like a cell that you set for the design but when you break it out into german like you end up breaking the words in really unnatural ways um so if you're reading that language you're, you're disjointed it's like it's clear that it wasn't supposed to be set in that language um but it's that's basically like what happens in those instances it Was happens it? when like you use google translate too there was some story, was it Amazon? Like some e-commerce site, I can't remember. They weren't selling anything right. in Germany. Yeah, and it's yeah. because the buy button was cutting off half the German word. Oh, interesting. And it was the part that said the word like click here to buy essentially. Right. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No one tested it. No, with, one, no one knew what that <laughs> meant. With the German word. Right, yeah, it's yeah. It's like yeah. a couple letters dot, dot, dot. Totally, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's funny because then you get into semiotics, right? And then you get into this idea of like, how different countries like figure out like if you put me in front of a site in a different language like i could tell you the yellow button or the red button probably tells me that i need to do something right so yeah that's that's like where semiotics is your advantage can't you just trust everyone to inspect the element and see what it's supposed to say <laughs> I, don't, I don't think yeah. that's how it works <laughs> it's just like mobile expecting element yeah. <laughs> impossible thing i don't know what it's worth but for some reason i heard this uh, as like if you can go to a site that's in another language and yeah. successfully buy something, then sure. that design's done a pretty good job. Totally. So I used to test like going to Chinese e-commerce websites and see if you can make your way through the checkout. Totally. And right. they do a pretty damn good job. It's pretty it's amazing, like, right? Click, keep clicking the green button. Right. That's it. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm curious growing up in a small town without some access to the resources you sure. need or people that you could relate to. Right. What role did the internet play for you? Oh, it was in, everything. Like, finding the support. Yeah, I mean, the internet was my life. Um, specifically, LiveJournal and YouTube. Like, those two places were, like, where, where I found people. Um, so, yeah, there was a very large trans community on LiveJournal that was talking about, like, gender in a different way. Like, I feel like for a while at that point, and even still now, there was the memoir culture, which was, like, 
you know, you transition and then like you put out the transition novel and it's like, hello, I was this person and then I did this and then this happened. And it's like really flowery and like meant for people who aren't trans. Um, but I really wanted to see somebody like just be like, fuck this. I had a horrible time in the supermarket today. And like those conversations were happening on LiveJournal. So, um, yeah, that's basically where I found like community as far as like real people. And were these people that were older than you? For the most part, yeah. I mean, not even super older than me, to be honest. Like, um, Imogen Benet was like a huge one for me. Um, and she was writing on Live Journal 10 years ago about gender. And she's only like three or four years older than me. Yeah. Um, and then she put out this book called Nevada, which is like the best trans book ever. Um, so you should all read that. Like book. the state of Nevada? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And has that changed or is the internet still the main thing now that you've been in yeah. larger cities, going to New York? I think um, I think the internet always keeps it real. That's for sure. Like um, some in real life exchanges can be like harder to parse out. And I think the internet gives you place to think through things and come up with like a different type of discourse. So at least within like, I think if I have to interact with people about being trans who aren't trans, I would rather do it in real life. But if I have to interact with people who are trans and I'm trans, like I want to do it on the internet because like that's where we've historically spoken and like that's how like the conversation works. That's how it's like a lot smoother and that's how you can dive like a little bit deeper into like uh, culture. And I think that's why like back channels develop of like how trans people talk. Like it's bizarre, but like, I mean, Reddit, PS4, Xbox, like all those communities have like really deep trans roots um, where just people are like talking about it in like a really uh, freeing way. And I totally appreciate that. Is most of the conversation happening in back channels then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that? It it seems interesting because I would expect most of those places to be like extremely queer phobic, homophobic, whatever. Yeah. Well, they will. They carve out their spaces. Right. I mean, like even a state like Nebraska has some liberal people or whatever like that. Right. Like that's how like the roads break on the Internet. Um, So you definitely like Reddit weirdly has like a large trans community. Um, And there's different parts of Reddit. Like, right. Like there's There's the Donald. And then. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the Donald once posted about like that. Reddit's like posted about this talk that I gave and I got like two weeks of shit from people for no it. shit. Yeah, it was this Design Week PDX talk. I had this slide that said, give all your money to black trans women. Yeah, and I remember that from the end of your Vector talk. Yeah, so somebody found it and put it like on the Donald and I got like two weeks of just like vitriol spewed at me. Um, but then there's other parts of Reddit, like like the R slash X transgender and that has like a bunch of like people who are like just getting started with it and like they just have questions and that can be like a super warm environment. Are those the places you'd recommend people that are looking for those kind of communities? Maybe. Um, the, the reason I'm asking is like, yeah, back channels. Totally. I found are good if you know the people, but discovering the back get, channel in the first place them. sucks. Right. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Uh, I think some of them are good starting places for sure. If you're in tech, there's an LGBTQ in tech Slack, and I think it's an open Slack, and they have some trans yeah. channels that are pretty cool. If you're like getting into it and like want to dive through, um, Zine culture is like a really good place to get into it. And it has nothing to do with the internet. But if you have like, a, if you're in an urban city, like find a place that makes handmade zines and like there's like probably a lot of like gender stuff in there. Um, so you can get into communities that way. Um, yeah, it's a lot of reading. Maximum Rock and Roll is like this punk zine out in San Francisco. Um, they've historically published a lot of trans literature in there. And like most people are like cool with emailing and talking about it too. Yeah. Um, yeah, those, I mean, Twitter can be a good place too. Like, I can know it be? It can, well, 
Twitter can I'm be very a, curious about Twitter your relationship very with good Twitter. Very bad. I had a weird relationship with Twitter. I I guess I watch it from afar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I mean I just like uh I don't ever want to be a Twitter brand. Like right, like you know mm-hmm. those people, right? Yeah. Like, the, that thing. Um and I like talking very freely and like just talking shit on it. I don't like treating it seriously though. Um, but then like it's helped me out in a lot of ways. Like my trans health would have never skyrocketed as well as it did without Twitter. So it's been helpful, but not helpful at times. So can we talk a little bit about my trans health and how that came to be? Yeah, for like, sure. I'm, can I'm, I ask one more question yeah. before we do that? Yeah, go for um, it. It's hard to ask this because I'm just like showing just how naive and privileged I am. Go for it. How do you deal with taking a bunch of shit on the internet? Because therapy yeah i mean like uh i've like i've gone to like years of therapy and uh you just like learn i think you learn what you let seep in you learn what you don't let seep in and uh when i see like like stuff like if something like a bad reddit thing comes through and i just get like a bunch of shit it's just like nope 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 and i just go on with my day that's it um i also have friends that i text with and i'm just like fuck this person and they're like yeah fuck that person and like that sort of affirmation from friends is good too um i mean the biggest thing for me though like as like when i started to be an internet person like it was like (laughs) when i I became an internet (laughs) i started like using the internet in a way that people started to like really follow it um like i generally don't post at things that i'm at i until i've after i've left um so like like, I lived in Capitol Hill when I was in Seattle, right? And I loved everything about that neighborhood. And I would never talk about any of it because I would be so fucking petrified. People would show mm-hmm. up, like, to, like, my spots and, like, run me over. So sometimes I get messages from people that are like, hey, I saw you at this one bar in Seattle. And I would never respond to it because I'd be like, I don't want anybody to know that I go to that place because I don't want them to show up. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been a thing for sure. Like, whenever... When I do talks, it's obviously like a public event and like that's mm-hmm. good. But like I would never be at a cafe and just say I'm at that cafe until after I've left it. That's fucked. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a thing for sure. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Jen Schiffer was just talking the other day on Twitter about she was like at this conference. And when she does conferences, she doesn't stay in the main conference hotel because like people have like shown up to her, like her hotel room. So she stays at like an Airbnb, like off the map. That's insane. She just makes fun of JavaScript people. It's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's, she's the best, right? Like, but, um, yeah, if you're like a woman or non-binary or like any sort of femme identity, like I like, there's a lot of that stuff that I just, I'm like, Nope, I'm good. Like, it, it'll be very rare that I'll tell people actually where I'm going to be. Um, so, yeah, that's just like a byproduct of everything, I guess. And have you heard a swarm? It'll automatically check you in everywhere you yeah, go. Yeah, that's a nightmare. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't think of, like, that scares me. Like, that's so horrible. Because, like, I've actually gotten, like, I'm going to kill you messages on Twitter. So, like, the idea of people knowing where I am at any physical time, I'm super not into. You mentioned you get through a lot of that stuff oh, with therapy, uh, especially with moving around a lot. How yeah. do you find therapy in a new city? Oh, good question. Well, I made a site called My Trans Health, and it's made everything <laughs> super easy. Nice. Segway. <laughs> I mean, I've lived in the places that like we cover, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I, I have a very large spreadsheet of good therapists, which is like a huge benefit for me. Um, but I think 
you know, when I was in Maine, I saw like three different therapists and they were all really bad. Um, like one of them like gave me this horrible book called the Benjamin Standards of Care, which like in 2005 was the book you read about trans stuff, but it's garbage. And uh, I didn't know it was garbage. So when he gave it to me, I just got really afraid. So it was just like really horrible therapy experience. Um, so I've seen like a lot of bad therapists. And now it's to the point where like I have like a, like I generally like an older woman <laughs> to like talk to me like like she's my mom pretty much in therapy. And uh, so I generally like look for people like that. And then old you know, mom types, old mom types, like who like have like a shitload of experience of dealing with like the real world. Um, they have like really great insight and like, a good understanding to not give a shit too. Like my last therapist in Seattle was really great because like whenever I'd go in to talk about the pressure of like Amazon or my trans health or like doing something public, she so didn't give a shit about it. So she was just like, whatever, it's fine. Like nobody cares. But I'd be like, no, there was a hundred people in the room. And she'd be like, shut up. It doesn't matter. Um, so that perspective was like really good for me. But, you know, finding a good therapist is kind of like dating a little bit. Like, you go on, like, a bunch of first dates, and, like, when it feels good, like, you stay with them. Um, but it can take a minute to find it, that's for sure. For anyone who hasn't heard of it, I, we just covered, like, an aspect of it. But what yeah, is yeah. My Trans Health? For sure, yeah. So it's um, it's just a website that helps people um, find access to quality healthcare. So we were finding that, like... You know, therapy for sure, but also medical stuff. Like sometimes doctors like would misdiagnose something because somebody was trans. Like you'd have a broken arm, they'd blame it on hormones. And you'd be like, no, I just fell and my arms broke. Yeah. Like it has nothing to do with that. So like that was happening. Like a normal injury, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, like a normal like human. <laughs> like like my physics s- collided with my body. <laughs> right. But because you're trans, like they think like that's the thing. So like that was a problem for sure. Um, and then they'd be like prescribing the wrong hormones if they didn't know like a full regime. So it was generally on trans patients to tell the doctors what they wanted to be on, which is like a really weird thing. And then some doctors would be like really gatekeepy. So like you'd walk in and be like, what's up? I'm trans. And they'd be like, we're not really sure. Give us three more letters that tell us that you're trans, which like is kind of bullshit. What? Yeah. So like in, like in order to, for even for me to get hormones, like I had to get three different doctors to write letters that said I was m- mentally hashtag insane. Like no joke. Yeah. So it, I'm uh, sorry. I, wait, yeah. So in order on. to, how does that work? This is so being trans, uh, is a, and I don't do the one. No, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you, uh, it's state by state how they allow people to get access. So like in New York, you can just go in and get hormones at any Planned Parenthood and it's chill. But in Maine, when I transitioned, that wasn't the time. So uh, that wasn't just like the, the experience. So you had to go to a therapist and they write a letter that says they use your dead name. And they're like, hello, I've met this person for three months. We've talked about gender every session. They are transgender and they need to start this hormone regime. Please recommend them to start it. Then you get that letter. Then you go to another one and you get the same letter. And then you go to like another doctor. And then in that doctor appointment, you present super femme, even though you're like barely into transitioning. And then they're like, yes, hello, I met this person. They do appear to be trans. And then they run blood labs on you. And then after you get the blood labs, then you're allowed to start hormones. No joke. And that's a like if you look at like the like ingress into anything, right? Like that's a horrible experience. So with my trans health, like we just wanted to make that better. So in order to make it better, like 
we figured out that everybody who had transitioned had dealt with that at some different point, and uh, they had to vet like any specific city. And uh, basically, like there were good doctors that, who knew what they were doing and practicing in each city, but it can be really hard to find them. And as opposed to like trans people historically having to do trial and error situations with doctors, um, we just would like we'd find the person, then we'd call them and we'd talk to them about how they do like trans healthcare, then we'd put them on the site. So nobody is on the site unless we've actually spoken with them on the phone and talked to them about trans healthcare. So we're able to avoid like that six different letters that say you're trans thing. Insane. Yeah, it was it was a process for sure. I mean, the actual site is relatively boring. Like, I mean, sure it has pixels or whatever like that, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's got some stuff. Site. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's a search engine. Like, that's it. Like, it's like a two questions and a search engine. That's the whole site. It's not interesting. the The interesting bit was like having to find and talk to a thousand different people and how they do healthcare. How do you is, scale something like that? It's the hardest thing. But does it scale? Yeah, no. I mean, that was the that was the biggest mistake of the first site. Um, so the first site that's live like right now, but won't be in a few weeks. We based it all on urban areas. We did the San Francisco's and the New Yorks, and in those cities, there's like 40 different doctors that do trans healthcare. So you're able to like get more individualized, specific stuff. But if you're in a rural area like Evansville, Indiana, there's three people who do trans healthcare. So when we did that first site, we created all these like personalized things in the in the UX and the flow of what you're able to search or whatnot. And then as we scaled it out into like rural areas of America, we realized how unhelpful that was because it was just unnecessary because there was only three people who did it. So in order to scale it, we had to basically drop back of all those search features and just push it into a display setting and make it like a trade-off that said, if you're in New York, where you have 40 people to talk to anyways, as opposed to like this place, which we don't you know, want them to be daunted by it. So we're just going to display the material. I'm kind of confused around the like three people who do it piece. Like, yeah. are they turning people away? Are they restricted in some way? Is no, it there's just three people. Just who not pra- good enough? Yeah, well, there's three people that practice it. Like, so in a lot of cities, like you could have like an endocrinologist, but they could not do like trans stuff where they wouldn't know how to hmm. do it. So like in Evansville, there are three doctors who like work on hormones. That's it. It's one of those three, as opposed to New York where you could have the choice of 40 different endocrinologists to get your hormones from. Like that was the scaling thing. At the macro level, is that getting better in the U.S.? No. Yes. I mean, sure. Yes. No. Uh, I think the more cultural conversation that pushes on it, the better it gets. But overall, like it's still fighting a government that is against it at the moment, which complicates things pretty dramatically. Um, with Obama's administration, it pushed so it pushed the needle so much farther. And now it's just kind of like trying to hold our own at this point. But I think it's getting better comparatively to what it was in the 70s. But like... It, I think it also should move faster too. What's the end goal of my trans health? Uh, well, not end goal, but like, no, what's totally the, the vision. I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not to overshadow yeah, the value no, that's already totally. being provided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, scaling it is like the hardest thing to do because there's a million different Evansville, Indianas in the country. Um, that's a big thing as far as just like the the push on the site, and then just like. I think the majority of things designed for trans people are hit over the head with like these like blues and pinks and like specific trans colors and they're kind of quirky and kind of like funky and they're sad. Like there's so there's there's like there's a lot of things for trans people that are sad. Like cuz like all the UX will open up with like blah 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 x people have like had bad experience like the data figures like 41% of trans people have tried to kill themselves. Like that's not a fun thing, right? 
but my trans health, there's not a negative word on the whole site. And it's because like, I don't want you to be bummed out about being trans. I want you to actually be stoked about it. Um, so the end goal is to like make you feel better about being transition or at least normalize it to some level. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think just like designers always talk about delight in their experiences, right? Like any sort of weather app will like open up with like, Oh, it's a delightful experience to look at your weather app. But with trans healthcare, like it's kind of like funny to talk about like that. It actually has to count too. It actually has to be delightful. Like, like literally, I mean, I volunteered for a suicide hotline for trans people for like a year while doing this site. And I heard their voices of panic, like, uh, as they were like looking for me to basically Google things. Right. So when I designed that site, it really like, it was not a joke to be delightful. I was like, no, this person's literally about to die. Like I, like I cannot put any red on this site. There's no red everywhere. Right. There's no yellow. It's like blues and greens and like pure fucking delight. And that's just because like, I didn't want you to be alarmed at any point. So delight wasn't like this thing that you tell stakeholders to make them feel good about their product. It was like, no, I really need you to feel good. Top of the product spec. Yeah. Pure fucking delight. Pure fucking delight. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think like just producing more delightful experiences for trans people and queer people in general, um, and then just scaling the hell out of it. So it's like a little bit more accessible because, you know, we're in six locations right now with 450 providers. Once this new one drops, we'll be in 20 locations with a thousand providers and organizations. And that's great. But, you know, there's a lot of other places. How much personal communication do you get from the trans community? Tons. Yeah. I mean, is that like from my perspective? Yeah. You're a voice and like a person in that community. That Sure. Do you get hit up so much that it becomes intimidating? No, Exhausting. I mean, um, for a while. Yeah. that I think the first round of press for my trans health really like gave me a heads up on what was going to happen, right? Like it set the tone very strongly for me. Um, And I freaked out about that for a while. But once I worked through it, like now it's just, you understand what you can do any given day and you work within that means. Like I've looked at the data for my trans health. It's the United States is like 80% of the people who come to it. 20% is Russia. Like, Oh shit. 20% of like people in Russia go to the site and like looking for access and stuff. And it's not bots, they're real people. And like I can't that's 20% of like a lot of users, right? Well, um, you can refer them to Evansville. Right, or I can like, you know, and they're <laughs> Well, like, it's illegal in Russia, right? Yeah, you get killed for being trans. Um so I can't I can't control that, right? Like if you look at like a, the entire world beyond the United States, like Brazil has a horrible murder rate for trans people. I also cannot control that. Um, and you just figure out like what you can and can do at the end of the day. And like you sometimes go to bed feeling really fucking sad about it, but then you wake up in the morning and do it again and you just do as much as you can. Um, I think for me right now, I've been a little bit like on a talking circuit for a while and like, sure, it's cool to talk about design, but it's like much cooler to humanize like a conversation that like, um, people have a difficult time humanizing. So like, sure, I'll talk about design, but I'm talking about like trans healthcare with designers who might not have thought about it and like maybe that normalizes the conversation so like you're a designer listening and you go to a cafe and you see this one like little like queer trans girl in like a cafe you're like maybe you're not such a dick to them um which you know, mission that, accomplished that would be cool <laughs> just don't be a dick just don't be a dick um <laughs> seems like a good general rule yeah right yeah but you know, that's the balance though. But I mean, I'll leave this podcast right now and I'm going to walk outside and within 10 minutes, I'm going to run into somebody who's weird about me being trans. So like, that's just, that's life. Um, and that's in San Francisco, that. which is like yeah. a 
Oh yeah, extremely like, liberal city. When I so I got off the vector, I did vectors last week. Yep, we were there. That's Where the first time I've seen uh, three hundred people there. They mm-hmm. listened to me talk about trans healthcare. Right, it ruled. I left. I got back to my hotel. I wasn't tired. I went for a walk. The second I walked outside of that hotel, this dude stopped me on the street and he like literally physically stopped me and he was like, "Are you a man or a woman?" Like that was directly after getting off the stage. So like I could talk about it in this setting about design and like with trans healthcare and it rules. But the second I leave here, I'm back to being a piece of shit. So like that's the shit that I want to work on. And like that's a, like that's why I do these talks. It's because like it doesn't have to be with everybody. Like you know, if enough people do these types of interactions, enough people hear the human stories, it happens a lot less. So it's just it's a fucking battle every day. How did you come to make my trans health? Like, what was the decision process around that? A lot of people yeah. take on, like, really manageable side projects. <laughs> right. This yeah. seems this very... The this seems like yeah. the opposite of a manageable side. Super naive. Um, <laughs> That's how they really, always start, Like, huh? really unbelievably naive. Uh, so I had been working on some sort of, like, trans stuff in the past. Like, I was working with this, um, uh, like, book publication thing that was, like, putting out trans books. I was, like, involved with the community. I was starting to write more about being trans. Um but it basically came down to like figuring out like what the need was, and the the like the original like thought founder is this guy named Cade Clark, and he's a trans guy in Dallas, but he's in New York, and he basically was like, I had this idea for this healthcare thing, um, and there was a dev working on the project at the time, Amelia, and I knew her from Twitter, and she just sent me a note that was like, I think we need a designer, and I hadn't really done web design or product design at this point, right? But I was like, this sounds like a thing that I could figure out how to do. So uh, we got on a Google Hangout together, uh, all three of us, and then Annika, who is a dev at Etsy, ironically, and we just started to make it. And like, we had the like the rough idea, like we had a wireframe that just said, "I'm a, I need, I'm in." Like that was the whole site, and we launched a Kickstarter with like that sort of functionality. Um, and then after the Kickstarter, we like had enough use cases on what we actually needed to design. And we were in over our heads the entire time. And you can tell, like, if you look at the first site, like, there's some parts that, like, works totally fluidly and great. But other parts, like, it, like, is overcomplicated and unnecessary. Um, And it wasn't until we started to do the second iteration of the design that it was like, oh, okay, got it. Like, we, I can scale back this. This doesn't need to be needed. Um, I can, like, make this process a lot simpler for us and the people using it if we Mm -hmm. do this thing. So it was basically being really naive in the MLE and thinking you can do a ton of things and realizing that you can't and then redoing the site and scaling it the hell back. So, yeah. And then how did you, I imagine you were like the designer on it or a designer? Uh, The designer. Yeah. Okay. How did you become the spokesperson for it? Uh, well, I'm not even sure I am because everybody else still does their stuff too. So Cade still like talks about my trans health, like regularly I talk about it. Um, we balance it for the most part. Like, if, if like I'm busy, Cade will take something and it's great. Okay. If like he's busy, then I take it and that's fine too. Um, and we both have like the like common shared messaging, which is really good. Um, I think you know designers by nature have to be very good at talking in public. Like it's not like you're a dev and you can just like sit and code stuff out. Like designers present things in rooms regularly, so I got really comfortable with like the idea of just talking about everything. And I'm able to like go like the high level of like this is what trans health care is and this is why we think it's important and then i can get into the nitty-gritty of like the design stuff i can get like to the scratching at the surface of the dev stuff um so it's just like it's understanding like where the conversation's at and i mean between that and the fact that like when we launched the kickstarter it was like a five minute video of me talking about bad healthcare experience so um 
and we launched it the week Caitlyn Jenner came out. So like that video got circulated around a lot. And um, just the media people who are sending emails just had my name on them. <laughs> yeah. I find that a lot of designers have a really hard time with talking about anything but the nitty gritty. So I find it really interesting when a designer is like the person who totally can like, presents, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. like at a high level. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, like, um, I think sometimes talk designers will talk about the nitty gritty because like they'll get too scared of like the high level product thing. Right. And they'll like, it's like somebody talking about like a song that like they think is cool, but then they don't know how to talk about it. So they're just like, the drums are really good. Or like the drum beat is the- Yo, you hear this chord progression? Yeah, you hear that chord progression. Like nobody cares about the chord progression, right? People care about the overall song and the content, the feel and the vibe. Um, So when we came to My Trans Alpha, I was like, I couldn't just know like- the color is really nice, right? Like, that palette is, like, gradient. It's like, so nice. fucking delightful. Yeah, yeah, totally, right. And that's a thing for sure, but, like, I'm much more of a high-level thought person. Um, and when it gets down to that execution stuff, like, I'd, it's not that I do it with my eyes closed, but, like, it's it's already been worked out so much in the high level that, to me, it's just execution. Like, mm-hmm. I can do it or somebody else can do it. I don't, I don't care really that much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the 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 bigger you can think about the product, like the better it will be when it gets out into that nitty gritty stuff. Mm -hmm. So communicating that is like super important. Uh, I have a question and I'm really trying to figure out how to like, it feels like a superficial question in a way. Um, So maybe I'll split it. Uh, We're talking at this point to a lot of designers uh, on the show. Whoever's listening out there, we don't really know. Yeah. Uh, What should designers be doing as they consider the experience of the trans community or if you don't want to answer that like what should they not be doing <laughs> yeah totally um again trying to not sound superficial sure. no, uh, totally. i mean like a thing that like a thing that designers will call out the most for the most part is how they design their gender stuff so like if you have a field like maybe don't put two options for male female like maybe have like male female non-binary other and just have like an open field in which people can write stuff in and then, I mean, the other thing, too, is, like, I've been actively calling out Uber for a while about getting pronouns into their experience. And the reason why I'm doing that is for a few different reasons. One, I think, is the fact that, like, Uber has so much bad PR that they could use the tiniest win and this is it. Um, <laughs> Let me help you. <laughs> right. It's just, like, this is, like, I'm. this is a softball is a thing that you could do to, like, not look like shit to the world right now. Um, so I've been doing it for that reason. Uh, and I've been doing it for the reason of like, I think they would establish the precedent. Like if, if I could get Uber to do it, then like Postmates or Lyft would do it in two seconds. Um, but if like a small, if, like a Rover did it, you would be like, oh, cool, Rover did it. I remember there being like a ton of press around. I think Facebook had like 40 some options. Yeah, they, did, they, they did like 50 different options. I probably would have executed that a lot differently than they <laughs> did. Um, but I think that they did a really good job with it too. And a totally commendable effort for them too. So I think they're doing a really good job of just like pushing the conversation. But uh, I do think like as designers, like especially in San Francisco or tech in general, like the majority of things that people make involves like a human, a platform and a different human. And at some point, those two strangers interact with each other to do a thing that like this app put them in touch with. Right. And within that, like the designer like needs to consider what is the most important information two people need to know about each other in order for that to be a delightful experience, right? So it's not just like they're going to, like, this person needs to get to a destination, this person is at a destination. It's like, this person needs to get to the destination. They have, they're hard of hearing. They're trans. Or they're not even trans. Whatever it is, like, they have a gender, right? And, like, that information needs to be displayed up front. 
And uh, I think like it's like that's just the core like human stuff of these are some things that you should know about a person before you interact with them. Um, And you can like create like a medium in the middle of that. So I think designers could set that tone to be a lot stronger. And like gender would be a really cool place to do it. Yeah. Um, It sucks that you can talk to a room of 300 designers and then leave and the real world is right. Maybe not quite. Oh, yeah. Wanting to change. Yeah, totally. And I mean, like that's I mean, that's a thing like I. I, I know I've ripped Uber like specifically, but like, I mean, I was in the back of one of them like a month or two ago and I was on my way to go on a date and this dude was my driver and he was straight up just being like, you're really beautiful. I'll leave my wife if I can like sleep with a girl like you or whatever like that. I'm like, this sucks. I'm on my way to a date. Like, I don't want to deal with this kind of crap. So uh, I think like designers actually could do like, I know it's just UI or UX or whatever, but they could actually put some important information within that experience about another human being to eliminate that conversation. Like that guy was like, even if that dude saw my pronouns in the app, he still would have been a creep. But like there are other interactions that people like, like if you're driving and picking somebody up, you're worried about the destination and that's it. And make sure you have the right name of the person Um, to ask the gender is like something that they're not, their head's not at. Right. So if you display it as just like common information that's already existing within the thing, they don't have to think about it. It's just in their head. They already know. So it takes less work off the driver. It just, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, So I hope designers are able to push that to be a lot stronger. And I'm sure like it'll get there. It's just, it's going to be a question of like who does it first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully someone that, Yeah, I mean, I just... (laughs) Help influence change. Right, and it's gender, but there's other things too that I don't even know that I think, you know, would be really important for people to know. So I do, yeah, I think if you pull back super, super far beyond like all like the whatever pixel stuff, it's like the majority of things people make involve person, platform, person. And that, that's an interaction that's like sociologically got to be understood a lot stronger in order to design better. Okay. We're do you actually, have any other we're questions? Actually out of time. I, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, we flew. Uh, yeah, shit, that was a fast yeah. one. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about to wrap stuff? Uh, um, we have an ending question, but if on this topic, uh, what's your? No, I think I'm good. What's your ending? So we always at the end like to ask what yeah. keeps you up at night. Oh fuck! That actually, <laughs> that actually was started by Etsy. Oh so shit! It's revenge. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, everything, <laughs> everything and nothing. Literally. Yeah, everything and nothing. Um. Uh. Wow, this is such a really good question and really one that's like difficult to answer. Um. For a long time, everything kept me up at night. Like I couldn't even like sleep ever. You seem like a late night person generally. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, like it was. There was a lot of times that like I just like. Like learning a guitar part would keep me up all night just to make sure that I could like I wouldn't wouldn't fall asleep until I got that right. Um, the state of the world would like freak me out. Just the the nature of politics, the frustration of like a weird interaction design, a frustration that like I had like at a corner sort of bodega or whatever like that. Like that stuff kept me up at night for a really long time. Um, and I've generally found the less busy I am, the more it can creep into my head. But if I just am so consumed with everything in the like life of design and stuff like that, I'm just too tired and I just fall asleep. So like not being busy enough, <laughs> not being busy enough keeps me. Yeah. I think that's it. Like if, if, I, if my mind has room to wander, then I'll probably like not be a happy person. But if my mind is so like in the middle of like things, then like I'm able to just like go to sleep. Um, I think sometimes depending on whatever the product I'm working on, I have a tendency to like 
not be able to solve something during the day. And then when I go to sleep, my mind, like my mind will just drift off into that problem and I'll start to solve it. And then I'll just keep like a notepad by my bed. That's like two words, like do square <laughs> like that. Um, and that will like help me get through stuff. Beautiful too. design process. Yeah. Do the rectangle. Do the rectangle. <laughs> that, that's all word. design is right. Do a rectangle. <laughs> do, do, do a rectangle. And then I wake up in the morning. I'm like, do a rectangle. Shit. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, kind of drawn a picture yeah. past me. That's, yeah, des- yeah. that's describing literally everything. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think everything and nothing keeps me up at night. Well, I hope you stay busy and it, you're about to start at Etsy <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it sounds like it's going to be busy. I, be I normally wouldn't say that to someone like that sounds kind of mean, but <laughs> I like I prefer it. Yeah, I totally do prefer it. Um, I probably overwork myself just so I stay busy always. Um, a bored Robin is <laughs> somebody nobody wants to meet. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. This is great. This is so awesome. Thanks for having me. This was episode 205. Thank you so much, Robin, for coming to hang out with us. Ever since we saw her talk at Vectors, we wanted to have her on the show. It was great that we, things worked out. She was back in town shortly after Vectors. Uh, that was a really good episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know what you think. We're obviously on Twitter. At Design Details FM is our tag. If you want to come chat in our community, you can find that at spectrum.chat. Did you say our tag? Our tag, our handle. Uh, but we're also at Spectrum. Our nom de plume. That's the one. We're also at spectrum.chat slash specfm. That's our community where designers and developers can hang out and level up. Before we go, huge thank you to the two sponsors that made this possible. First up, it's ReadyDesk. Are you ready for a desk? Are you ready to reduce your risk of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes? Are you ready to make your back hurt less? Are you ready to save $10? All of these dreams can come true and more. <laughs> All this and more can be yours at <laughs> thereadydesk.com. Use the code de- design. <laughs> Use the code design at checkout, and you'll save ten bucks off. They started at one hundred fifty bucks. That's like what seven and a half percent. And if you don't like it, you have a hundred days to return it. We're stoked on the ready desk. If you're not even using any kind of standing desk, you need this. It's going to help your body. We do have one. Go to the it's re- very good. You can get one for yourself at thereadydesk.com and use the promo code design to get ten bucks off. Thanks once again to ReadyDesk. Our second sponsor is Shopify. They're hiring designers. They have an amazing team doing great work, helping people make a living doing things they love to do. You should go work with them. And they're an amazing team, including some of our best friends and people we look up to. And like, I love their team. Go be a part of it. They're looking for designers, content strategists, researchers, UX leads, and more. They want Half you... those aren't even things. They'll hire you to do anything. <laughs> but they all are in the design org at Shopify helping shape the experience for over 400,000 merchants online. You can learn more at shopify.com slash careers. If you need a new gig, go to shopify.com slash careers. Thanks once again to Shopify, and we'll see you next week.